welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. Hallelujah. So uh, last week I preached a message that was titled Free to Love. You know, I noticed that while I was preaching the message, a lot of people, you know, I can have a vantage point. A lot of people were weeping and crying. And afterwards, some people came to me and, you know, just reflecting on the message. And somebody came to me and said, Pastor, can you make that message more practical? Like, basically, that exposed some things. Now, what do I do really practically to be free uh, from fear, from the fear there? And I prayed about it, and the Spirit of God gave me the message that I'm about to share with you today. I titled the message, Healed to Love. Healed to what? To love. Healed to love. My text is from Isaiah chapter 61, from verse 1 to 3. Please, let's um, read it together. Uh, This is a messianic um, prophecy. Um, This Isaiah was speaking about Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus quotes the same thing to introduce himself. It's manifesto for what he came to do on the earth. The spirit of the sovereign. Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, the release from darkness to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort those who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So here Jesus declares in his manifesto what coming in contact with him will do in our lives. What he came to do, he came to free us. He came to set us free. He came to set the captives free. He came to set the prisoners free. He came to bring light to our darkness. But there was a particular set of people that he mentioned there that I want to focus on today. Um, He mentioned that he has sent me to bind up the broken-hearted Everybody say broken hearted. Broken hearted. Amen. The broken hearted. The broken hearted. Who are the broken hearted? Who are the broken hearted? I want to first of all talk about that. So uh, my, first, my first point is the profile of the broken hearted. Who are the broken hearted? The profile of the broken hearted. We're going to look, use an example in scripture uh, for this message today. We're going to be reading the book of Ruth, uh, chapter 1. So let's go to Ruth, chapter 1, from verse 1. And we're going to just, from there, check out the profile of the brokenhearted. Who, who, what did God mean when he talked about the brokenhearted and who are the brokenhearted? What are the, some of the characteristics of the brokenhearted? I believe that by the time we're done, We'll find ourselves. Amen. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Very interesting. In the days when the judges ruled. So if you have ever read the book of Judges before, 
That was one of the darkest times in Israel's history. There was no king. So everybody did what was right in their own eyes. The judges were ruling. Sometimes the judges will rise up and then they will mess up again, like Samson and whatever, and then Israel will sin again. They will be under bondage and they will pray again. There were seven cycles there, you know, back and forth, back and forth, you know, the, you know, the cycle of, you know, sin and repentance and restoration and, and all that. So it was really a very, um, it was a very dark time in, the, um, in Israel's history. But even though it was dark, there are some interesting things that we can learn from uh, what we just read. And that's why the first thing I want to say about the profile of the brokenhearted is that they usually start, in other words, we, they usually start with hopes and dreams. Not everybody, not, no one is born into this world brokenhearted. Nobody came into this world and then you know, you are broken hearted. Usually, we start, please follow me. You usually start with what? Hopes and what? It usually starts with hopes and dreams. And where did, I, where did I see that? So, the Bible, when you study the Bible, especially the Old Testament, the names have meanings. The names that, you know, people have, they have meanings. And if you take some time to study you begin to see some things emerging from the meaning. So let me just give you some meanings of some names. So uh, the first thing there was that uh, they left Bethlehem. They left Bethlehem and went to, uh, so Bethlehem of Judah, and they went to what? To Moab. So first of all, Bethlehem means the house of bread. The house of what? Or another way, another way it said is the house of meat. So it's a place where there's a lot, you know, there's, you know, bread, there's meat, there's, you know, supposed to be, you know, it's symbolic of celebration. It's symbolic of hope. It's symbolic of dreams. It's, it's symbolic of abundance. Like I told you last week, when you were a child, when you were born into this world, every child born into this world, go downstairs into Kid City. Every child born into this world, they come excited. You know, you look at children, you know, when you have kids, you drive them and all that, you will just be laughing. You understand? You'll just be laughing. If you just don't take yourself too seriously, and you just listen to them talking, you'll just be laughing. You'll be laughing. When I picked, you know, uh, Pearl from school, she started telling me stuff, and I'll just be laughing inside myself. Sometimes I'll laugh, laugh. I'm like, man, this girl is so innocent. This girl is so <laughs> excited about life. You know, everything. You know, just exactly. It takes somebody coming in to stop that. Usually, it's the parent, it's a teacher, it's another friend, or something else. But we'll get to that later. But usually, we start at that house of meat, that house of bread. Now, the other one, Judah, the name Judah, he said they were in Bethlehem, Judah. The name Judah means praise. It's from Yada. Amen. It means what? Praise. praise. It's praise is like exuberance. Excitement. So this is where Ruth and the husband began from. And then even their own names, Elimelech, you know, is the guy. His name means, my God is king. My God is king. I mean, that's a great name. You know, this guy believed, you know, there was something about him. They're using him as symbolic of somebody who trusted, oh, God is king. There's hope. There's excitement. And of course, the name of the wife is Naomi, which means what? Pleasant. Pleasantness. So listen, what we're talking about is that my God is king and pleasantness got married. They were living in the house of bread and they were enjoying yada praise. That was the beginning of their story. That was the beginning of their story. And that's the beginning of everybody's story. When you come into this world, you come with hope. You come with expectation. You understand? You are supposed to be nurtured, to believe in yourself, to continue that dream, to continue that thing that you have. But then something happens. Then the second thing, profile, still talking about the profile of uh, the broken hearted. Then the next point there is that something happens that shatters the dream, that becomes a trauma. Something's happened. Something always happens. Whenever, you know, when people, when people are the way you meet them and they are burdened and they, are, uh, they feel 
um, you know, they hit the world or they feel, you know, unloved. They feel that they're not worth something. You need to find out what happened to you. And I'm, I'm talking about you right now. You need to ask yourself, what happened to me? What happened to what? To me. How did I become like this? Because I didn't start out like this. How did I become like this? So, well, what happened? A place happened. A place. That's the first thing. They said they moved to Moab. Do you know what Moab means? <laughs> the, the best way I can translate Moab is, who's your daddy? Who's your baby daddy? That's what Moab means. Who's your baby daddy? Now, you know the story of Moab, the first person called Moab. It was when Lot just left Sodom and Gomorrah, right? God saved him and his two daughters. And they were living together in one place. And the daughters just got together one day and said, you know what? <laughs> if we don't do something right now, our dad is going to die and we're not going to have children. So, they, you know, so the, first, the first daughter, you know, they got alcohol together and then, you know, they, they made him drunk. And then the first daughter slept with the dad the first day. And then the next day, you know, the second daughter did the same thing too. And the first one that was given back to was called Moab. And the name was Who's Daddy? That's what the name means. Who's your papa? Who's your baby daddy? Isn't that what happens? So one of those things that happens is we enter into a place where identity suddenly starts being stolen. And listen, there's a lot of daddy issues. There's a lot of daddy issues. Now, there are some mama, mommy issues. You understand? There are some mommy issues. But really, when it comes to our development, especially in the early part of our development from age two upwards, the place of the father is extremely important. Because the mother gives the child affection. The father gives the child identity. The father gives the child identity. That is why I'm always very careful. You know, my wife can testify what I say to the kids. And sometimes after I've said something, I will revise it. I want to tell them what they can do, what they can be, not what they cannot become. You know, listen, when somebody has daddy issues, that person can be a danger to the entire world. You know, now, I, I'm, I'm not saying this disrespectfully because I honor those who are in authority, but I think a lot of people don't know that the current president that we have right now has daddy issues. You know, seriously. Now, I'm not against him or whatever. You don't, you don't know my political whatever, but I'm just analyzing stuff. Many of the things that he puts up and all that, you can analyze it that there was a time when this guy was not giving some attention. That was not giving some affection. And so he's trying to get it, and he's trying to take it out on other people. So you need to forgive him, amen? <laughs> because you also, you have your daddy issues. You all have our daddy issues. No, listen, you can trace it back. So when your dad is not present, when your dad was not present, when you were born, you develop a complex of what? Abandonment. If your dad was abusive, you develop a complex of I am not enough. Because whatever the person is telling you, whatever the person is, telling, sorry, is showing you, speaks to your identity. Are you getting what I'm saying? And sometimes it's not that they are not physically present, but they are also, they are physically present, but they are emotionally absent. And even the previous president, you know, wrote a book called Dreams of My Father. A lot of things drove him because he was trying to find his dad. I was trying to know what, what where is my dad? They, the dad is very essential. Let's say dad has died. Make sure if you have children, make sure you expose them to somebody who is, who have, who is, on the, who is what, who's, who can act as a father to them. Because it leaves a hole and a gap that they continue to seek for. And sometimes they want to find it inside of another man that seems to be like a father. Whether they are male or female. A male will look for another man that sounds like a father, and that's the root of certain things. A female will look for somebody who is who's like a father, and that's the root of certain things. So father issues. Who's your baby daddy? 
Then the other thing that happened was that the experience happened. Not only was a place happened, the experience happened. The name, the root who was pleasantness suddenly gave birth to a child. The first child was called Malon. Malon. Everybody say Malon. Please follow me. Malon. The name Malon means weakness or sickness. So, I wonder why they named the guy Will. Maybe when the baby was born, they saw that the baby was weak and sick. And they said, oh, your name is Malon. So, one of the ways the, in the profile of the broken hearted is that not only you get into a place because, you know, a place of an identity issue that took place in a sense when you were young, but secondly, you can get into a place where an experience took place. There was something that happened. It could be, you know, something that happened within your family. Your parents just divorced. A weakness was exposed in your cocoon. Do you get what I'm saying? You, you felt that you know, your dad was the best man in the world. And then suddenly you just discovered that your dad got angry and beat your mom and whatever. And you feel like, wow, this is the person I thought was a great guy. It's like you just entered into, you know, you, you see weaknesses and that makes a mark on you. Some families actually break apart. Sometimes, you know, some children are put in foster homes and all that just because the family broke apart, broke apart because a weakness was exposed. The name of the second child is called... Killian. Killian means the end. Finished. <laughs> the what? The end. Finished. So, for some reason, when that child was born, both the dad and the mom just said, ah, this is our end. And they named the child the end. It is finished. So, something happens, and then you just come to that conclusion that, you know what? The joy, the exuberance, the person I used to be, the excited person I used to be, this is the end. I'm never going to ever be free from this. You know, you were a young child, and then somebody walks into your life and abuses you. You were just a teenager. You were just doing that, and then you spent, you, you were with your dad's, uh, you know, driver, or you were with a trusted, uh, uh, you know, person, an uncle, or an aunt, or a sister, or a brother, or somebody, and then you are just being innocent, doing all that, and the person took advantage of you. And it's like your life just ended. Malhon just came, sorry, Killian just showed up in your life and experience. And then there are some other names in there. They said those two kids married two wives. Each, you know, one, sorry, one white, each, two of them married. The, one, the first one is called Oprah. Not Oprah, Oprah. Amen. Oprah is fine. <laughs> you know. So, Oprah means back of the neck. Let me tell you what back of the neck means. You notice that when, later, you will notice that when, <laughs> when Ruth says, I'm leaving, I'm leaving this place, who is going to follow me? The person that turned the back of her neck is what? It's Oprah. Opa means the, the one who turns the nape of her neck or the back of her neck. Some of you, you grew up, all you saw was the back of the neck of some people. Your dad walked out of your life. Some people, it's actually their, your dad died. And you thought it was because of you that your dad died. People just kept on living. Your mom had first boyfriend, the second boyfriend, the third boyfriend, the fourth boyfriend. She has her own issue she was dealing with, but that left a mark on you because all you just kept on seeing is the back of people's neck. Your boy, first boyfriend left you. Your second one that you were supposed to get married to left you. Your girlfriend told you that you were not enough, and they left you. All you kept on, you keep on seeing is the back of people's necks. So you have now come to the conclusion that, you know what, even if though people are showing me their faces right now, I know that there's going to come a time when they are showing, going to show me the back of their necks. So your relationships are not permanent. You don't trust in the relationship. You feel that somebody's going to stab you at the back. And so when you get into even a very good one, because in your mind, what you see is the back of that person's neck. No matter what that person does, you just feel that this person is deceiving me or this person is about to walk out of my life. So you hold on tightly. And then you hold on too tightly. And then what you are feeling becomes 
a self-fulfilling prophecy. So your history is people leading you and showing you the back of their neck. But you know the interesting thing about God? No matter what is happening to you, you are in Moab, the place of identity, identity loss. You have hope in your life. People are turning their backs to you. You know, you have you know, weaknesses and all those kind of things happening in your life. There's a person that God, there's something that God still puts there. Ruth means friend and companion. Ruth. What? Just say, please follow me. Friends and what? Companion. A friend and what? And a companion. So, no matter what is going on in your life, I want to let you guys know that your story has not been all bad. Can I get some excitement in the house about that? There are some roots that God will bring into your life. You might not recognize them yet, amen? You might not know that they are roots, but they are people who are standing there. They are there. You know, they are going through the loss with you. They, 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 they know everything that you've been through, but they are the ones that God is still going to use. It might be some situation. It might be some people. It might be some things in your life that God is still going to use to bring about your eventual freedom. Can I get an amen in the house? So basically, who are the brokenhearted? So what happens is that, okay, so let me finish. The last thing is a loss. Everybody say a loss. A loss. So there's a place, there's an experience, and a loss. Something or someone dear was taken away from you. Something was taken away from you. Sometimes it's not necessarily somebody that was taken away from you, but something was taken away from you. Something was lost. Just like they said, Ruth, she lost, suddenly she lost her, her husband. She lost her two sons. So she was at a place of loss. So something was taken away from you. You gave something away unwisely. Something was taken forcefully from you. Somebody raped you and took away your innocence. Something was stolen. Some, or something that you deserved was never given to you in the first place. You are supposed to have had it. You are supposed to have had a good family growing up. You are supposed to have had a good daddy or a good mother, a believing mother, a believing whatever, but it was taken away from you. You never had it. Your innocence and self-worth was stolen by an abuser. Your self-confidence was taken away by a critical person who was always criticizing you, telling you how, how bad you do things, how terrible things are when you do it. Then you've come and you've developed a complex that there's nothing I do that is good. And later you will see, when we talk about how we try to medicate ourselves, you now become a workaholic. Because you are trying to prove to yourself that, no, 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 what my mama said, that I always create bad stuff, is not true. Or what my dada said, or whoever said, I'm, tr I'm trying to prove it to myself. Your self-confidence was taken by some mocking peers. You made a mistake while you were doing the speech in school, when you were in kindergarten, and everybody laughed at you. And when you were dancing in the dance team at the church, you made a wrong move, and everybody started laughing at you. Sometimes it's even kids that laugh at themselves. They call you African booty scratcher. They call you, you know, all kinds of, you know, racist names and all that. You understand? And, you know, you know, no, I'm telling you the real thing. My daughter came to me and said, you know, if I didn't go to you know, because I said that somebody called the African booty scratcher. I said that person doesn't even know anything about Africa. Don't know about that. That's pearl. You know, that love sweet, sweet pearl. I just thought that, you know, you know, my wife and I, we told her, just, you know, enjoy it through, amen. Anybody that calls you African booty structure, the person is, is, the person does not know anything about Africa. They are very ignorant. Anybody that calls you the, you know, the, uh, what they call it, the N-word, that person is the one that has the problem. So don't even engage with the person. Do you get what I'm saying? Or they call you any other word. You know, every race, you know, they, we have words for every race and for everybody. Don't, don't listen to all of them. Amen. They are trying to take away your self-confidence. But you are not going to allow that to happen to you. Amen. Or you made a mistake that you, should, you felt you should not have done. I mean, I mean, there are some people right now who are still living to correct their mistakes when they were in teenagers. 
They're still living to correct the mistake that they made. No, no, no. Today you are going to leave those mistakes behind in the name of Jesus. Your excitement and joy about life was taken away by a painful incident in your past. Your trust in people was shaken by the failure of somebody you trusted. And you felt that people cannot be trusted. Guys cannot be trusted. Women cannot be trusted. Because you, you placed that person on a high pedestal and the person fell. And you said, no, 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 I can't trust anybody. So you develop a trust complex. Your belief in yourself was lost because someone left you for another. And you concluded, I'm not worth loving. People always leave me. And then this one is one of the worst ones. You broke promises to yourself many times. And that thing has taken away your belief in your capability to complete things. Or to be true. Oh, you say, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to do all that. But you fail. Oh, I'm not going to do that any longer. Oh, but then you find yourself failing. Oh, I will not smoke any longer. But then you still smoke. Oh, I will not do this any longer. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to that club any longer. But you just find yourself. You don't even know what's happening, you know. Something just takes you there. <laughs> so you have come to that conclusion that, you know what? In fact, you've gotten to a point that I don't make any promises anymore because I know I'm going to break it. And then you have just believed that you are unreliable. Listen, let me tell you something. What people believe about you is not what matters. No matter what anybody believes about you, it is what you believe about yourself that matters. Let me go to number two, the pains of the brokenhearted. So first of all, the profile of the brokenhearted. Now, the pains of the brokenhearted. So when somebody, so you're beginning to see that all of us right now, we're broken in one way or the other. Can we get a witness in the house if we are in the hospital of broken people that Jesus is about to heal? Yeah. Amen. The pains of the brokenhearted. So, so, so what happens when those things have happened, you know, to you, the places have happened, the people have happened, the events have happened, and all that that we just talked about, you get to a point of pain. In Romans, so in Ruth chapter 1 verse 20, you know, Ruth made a statement. She said, don't call me pleasant anymore. She responded, or Naomi means pleasantness. Instead, call me what? Mara means bitter. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. So Ruth had got to that point. She had experienced the loss, experienced all those things. So she concluded that I am not that pleasant girl that you used to know before, that had dreams following the man, God my king, Elimelech. The man shared a vision. It's like we're going to go to Moab, and when we get there, we're going to settle down, and then we're going to build this, and then when we have made some money, then we'll return back, you know, to Bethlehem, and then we're going to have children, then we're going to have this and this and this and that. And she was wide-eyed, Naomi Pleasant, said, okay, go, my husband, and she followed, and then she ended up losing the husband, losing her children, losing everything, and losing herself. And so she said, don't call me that guy anymore. Instead, call me Mara. Now, this is an expression of several things. But the first thing is that it is an expression of pain. And many people are there right now. You see, a broken heart is painful. It hurts. Can I get a witness in the house? Oh, my God. It hurts. You are grieving the loss of that thing that you lost. So these are the, the ways you feel. Please show it to them. Number one, you know, you feel lost. You feel lost. So when, when somebody is feeling lost, that's what, you know, Naomi is like, who am I? Am I Naomi the pleasant one or Mara the bitter one? It's like you're lost in it. You feel lost. It's a lost. You feel bitter. Basically, it's like, it's not fair. Bitterness is like, it's not fair. They shouldn't have done that to me. Follow me. They shouldn't have done that to me. Feel bitter. They shouldn't have done that to me. It's not fair to me. 
What's, you know, why? You feel unworthy. You feel unworthy. I'm not good. Now, this is very, this is, this is something that happens to a lot of people. I'm no good. I don't like myself. I don't, no, you don't say that I don't like myself, right? But everything shows that you don't like yourself. Because there's no job that you get. When you get into the job, you are excited. But after three weeks, you don't like the job anymore. Because it's no longer as good as the job of the other person that you went to school together. You add your Instagram high when you put up your very nice picture. But then two days after, you see somebody who wears something better. The shoe is a little pointed. Or the heels are a little bit longer. Or the dress has a higher brand than the one that you are wearing. And then you conclude to yourself and say, I am not good enough. Your house is never good enough. Your church is never good enough. Your marriage is never good enough. Your relationships are never good enough. Your, your gifts and your callings are never good enough. You are never satisfied with anything that you do. You, you always think that everything you do is less than what is okay. You see, people that, that are like that, they will never be able to enjoy life. Because, listen, let me tell you one of the things that's going to happen in life. Every time you achieve something, you're going to find somebody who has achieved much more. You, will see, you always see a bigger car than your own, a better car than your own, a better house than your own, a better ministry than your own, somebody who is more developed in their gift than your own, a more beautiful wife than your own, a more handsome husband than your own, a more muscular husband than your own. <laughs> you guys are too quiet today. Am I, am I talking over your head? I mean, I pray to God to help me to deliver this. Amen. You feel God is against you. You feel God is against you. That she said, the Almighty turned himself against me. The Almighty did not do all that. He's not God. So you blame God. You feel abandoned. Everyone has left me. You feel scared. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is this going to happen again? Is this going to happen again? <sighs> Am I going to stay in this cycle? Are guys going to keep on breaking up with me? Uh, you know, <sighs> fear. Will I ever find love? Will I ever be able to break this thing? Oh, go. You feel alone. No one cares. You feel helpless. There's no way out. There's no way, I can't, I mean, there's nothing I can do. It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. You know what? Somebody came to me one time and said, Pastor, I'm about to share something with you. So my wife and I said, I'm about to go, I'm going to share something with you guys. But, you know, before I share it, this is something that I said that I will take to my grave. Because I believe that there was no solution. I promised myself, I said, this thing, you know, it's just, I'm just going to take it to my grave. And I was told that, you know, don't worry, you don't need to take it to your grave. Because Jesus Christ came to set you free. Yeah. Hallelujah. Don't be hopeless. Don't feel hopeless. Tell your neighbor, say, don't feel hopeless. There's hope in Christ. It's all going to change. You're going to see it right now. It's going to change. You feel ashamed. Why did I let that happen? You blame yourself. Why did I go to that uncle's house? Why? Why did I do that? Why was I so stupid? Why did I visit that guy on Valentine's Day? Why did I call that? Why did I call that lady? Why did I do that? You feel depressed. Well, I am sad. Amen. So listen, what I'm trying to say, why I'm taking time to go through this thing, is just to let you know that born in this place, born again, not born again, or you are listening to me and watching me, everybody in one way or the other, there's a particular pain in your soul. You see, when we get born again, our spirit gets born again, becomes new creation, Right? But in the mind and in the soul, there's a particular pain that is still there. Do you get what I'm saying? And unless that pain is healed, unless that thing is dealt with, we continue that vicious circle of not being free to be ourselves and to love fully and to fulfill our purpose. 
So what, what now happens? So the next one, products of brokenness. Products of brokenness. So what, what, I, want, why, what I want to show, so there's, there's a difference between the pain and the product. So the pain is what you feel, right? The product is what pain makes you do. do you get, are you getting what I'm saying? It's what the pain makes you do. And I, I couldn't find a better example than the example of uh, Adam and Eve. You know, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 to 10, they said, after they made that mistake, they did that, they hate what they were not supposed to eat and all that. They said at that moment, their eyes were open. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So when the cool evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called the man, where are you? Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Listen, who is the God? God is love. I would say God is love. So in other words, love was walking towards them. But then they went to hide from love. Does that tell you something? How many of you have experienced that? In fact, we experience it. It's not even a question. You know, it's, you know, we experience it. That even when people want to show you love, because of the pain that you have gone through, and because you are hiding something, you run away even from love. We hide from love. We run away from love. We misinterpret the actions of love. Do you get what I'm saying? We misinterpret the actions of love. I'm telling you, in a lot of couples, a lot of, in a lot of relationships, it is a lot of misinterpretation. Somebody is trying to show love. The other person is interpreting it by their wounds. And then it erupts. Why, why, why are you always doing that? Ah, no, 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 but I thought I was, I was, I just wanted to help you. Don't help me. Why? Don't help me. Why? Because there's a pain there that if you, if you, if you are helping me like that, you are, you are, you are, you know, you want to show me again that I am not enough. Like my dad told me, or like my mom told me, or like life told me, you, you, you too, you are trying to reinforce the fact that I, I, I am not, you know, the woman, the complete woman, or the complete man. I mean, a lot of men go through that same thing. The, the, the wife will just say something, and then it will open up something. Hey, what do you mean? I, what do you mean? Are you telling me that? You're telling me that I'm not responsible? You are, no, no, she's not telling you that you are not responsible. No, you are telling yourself you are not responsible. So what she said, you attach the meaning to it that you are not responsible. Why? Because that is what, she, that's the fear that you are struggling with. That's why a lot of men, when they don't make enough money as their, as their wives, they have problems. You understand? They, they have problems because it, it, it reinforces something. That I'm not responsible. Listen, I'm telling you, it's not the amount of money that you make that makes you a man. It's not of money that you make that makes you a man. Yeah. Listen, my wife, you know, in our marriage, she has always made more money than I did. Amen. Do you, you know, things are just getting balanced and, you know, whatever, but for, for most part of it, she has always made more money, but that doesn't stop me from being a man. Because life is not just about money. There are many other things that I provide. I provide vision. I provide direction, motivation, encouragement. Purpose, covering, protection, guidance, direction, wisdom, warm shoulder. Yes, <laughs> Are you guys listening to me? Stop letting that thing, you know. Be a man. Be a man of purpose. And women, please help, help us tell the men that you are not looking for physical strength. You are not even looking for financial strength. You are looking for a security, a person who knows where they are going, who knows where they are going, who loves God, who serves God, who lives a family. Come on, preach it to them. Thank you. 
So, so they, they, they got fig leaves. So we also, we have our fig leaves. To, you know, what we want to do is we want to dull the pain. We want to medicate. You hate yourself for feeling the pain. I don't like feeling this way. I don't like feeling helpless. I don't like feeling like I'm not enough. I don't like it. You're afraid of getting hurt again. So you being awesome. Tell anybody say you are awesome. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are very creative. So you being very creative and awesome, you create a way to protect yourself. See, Adam and Eve were very creative. They sow, you know, instantly. They got leaves and they started sowing. Before you know it, they got clothes. The creativity that God gave them, they turned it into something else. We are very creative. So because you are very creative, you also sow some things to protect yourself. Amen. So, <laughs> you are an inventive creation of God. So you create a way to compensate and protect yourself from hurt again and to cover the effect of that loss. So you medicate aspects of you that have not been healed. We hide from God. We hide from love. You know, there's this thing in psychology when we're studying uh, in my PhD, so they taught us the Kobler-Ross model. I don't know if you know that. The five stages of grief. I don't know if you have heard about it. So they said the five stages of grief, the first one is denial. Now listen, remember that grief is a sense of loss of something. It's not necessarily just people. That thing is in there that I lost something I didn't have. So you go into those stages, denial, which is a defense mechanism, amen, to help you to to show, no, 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 no. Somebody tells you that. They say, no, 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 that's not me. That's not me. Who are you talking to? Who told you? I don't have any problem. I don't have any, no, 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 no. You deny it. And listen, there are people who stay in the denial stage all throughout their lives. They deny it. They deny that they have a problem. One of the first things to solve a problem is to acknowledge that you have a problem. If you have a problem, I have a problem with abandonment. I have a problem with feeling I'm not enough. I have a problem with feeling I'm not loved. I have a, you know, acknowledge it first. Stop denying. The second thing is anger. Then you lash out. Listen, anytime you're angry, I told someone, I said, anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is not a primary emotion. Whenever you're angry, there's something underneath. What is really making you angry? When you're angry at people, basically you're angry at yourself. You're angry at them for making you feel that way about yourself, the way you've been feeling. Why, 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 why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? You're making me feel bad. You're making me feel that I'm not right. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. So, then, you know, you throw something at somebody. Boost. <laughs> Anger is a secondary emotion. Whenever you're angry, ask yourself, what am I really angry about? Is it this simple word? Or is it that thing that that little child did that's really making me like this? Eh? Or is it something else? It is something else. You are basically angry at yourself. The next one is bargaining. Bargaining starts with him only. You know, I'm like this. But him only, I was not born to that family. Him only, I didn't go out with that guy. If I said no. If only I didn't go to his house. If only I tried to be a better person towards them. If only. If only. And you, you know, so that is the bargaining point is the point of excuses. Excuses. Instead of change, we make excuses for ourselves. Oh, the reason why I am like that is because I just want everybody to be right. You know, controlling. And the reason why you're controlling is because you are afraid that the person that you're trying to control is going to do something that will make you feel bad about your sense of what about yourself. When you are controlling people, it's not because of them. You are controlling people because of yourself. Okay, let's move on. Then the final one is what? Oh, no, not final. Depression. I would say depression. <sighs> depression. Oh, man, a lot of people deal with depression, but you do not know that depression is actually a manifestation of a stage of grief. Now, there are different kinds of depression, but a, a, a part of it is, you know, the manifestation of a stage of grief, of something that you 
lost or that you feel you gave away. Or so, you know, that thing, that pain, exposing itself as depression. And I'm here to announce to you that there's freedom in Jesus Christ. So there are some practical ways it shows up. I don't know. The last one is acceptance. Everybody say acceptance. Now, acceptance is a good place to start. As I tell you, when we, start, when we get to the solution, acceptance is a good way to start because not everybody gets to acceptance. Some people are stuck in denial. They are stuck in other places. But when you get to acceptance, it's the beginning. The beginning to solution to, to any, anything, to any solution to any problem is to be in the here and now. And so accept that this is where I am. Acceptance does not mean settling. It means that, okay, this is where things are. Okay, I did that, so what? <laughs> procrastination. Some practical ways that this show of procrastination is avoidance of something that you are afraid of confronting. Say, I'll do it later because you're afraid of, if I do it, I might fail again. I try, I try to, to do that, I might fail again. Attachment to people's opinion. Medicate a fear that you are not enough. Detachment is a way of avoiding he said, oh, no, I'm not talking to them anymore. You are trying to avoid confronting that pain. Defensiveness uh, def- is a way to protect the fear from hurting us again. Aggressiveness and anger is a fig leaf to fight being hurt again where we already hurt. Judgment and control is a way to transfer the fear of not being enough to others by telling them and ourselves that they are not enough. Altruism, obsessive service, workaholism is also the same thing. Alcoholism, substance addictions to sex, eyes, and other addiction is a way to dull a pain that doesn't go away. Is it all leads to that pain that started from what happened? Serving for admiration is a sense of shame. Basically, it's like I'm not enough, so you have to, oh, everybody tell me, tell me, tell me. Serving out of obligation is guilt. I'm not doing enough. That's what it says. I'm not doing enough, so I got to do more so that, you know, I don't feel guilty. Serving by control is fear. Because I'm not enough, you are also not enough because you contribute to my not being enough. Hallelujah. Pride and showing off. Exhibitionism is a way to hide the real person you believe no one will like. You know, people, you put this up on Facebook all the time. You know, you can see people's complex on Facebook and Instagram. When you see somebody taking up their clothes on Facebook all the time, see me, see my butt, see my whatever, see my dad, see my chest, see my this. And see my dad. Now there's a deeper problem. You are exhibition. You are doing exhibitionism, and what you are doing is you are saying, "Everybody, look at me. At least for once, like, like. <laughs> if I don't just like love, love, just to tell me that you are good, you are okay, you are more than enough, you are beautiful. Oh. And then if nobody likes you, you not know, some people will kill themselves because nobody likes their profile. Some young people." Thank you for playing. Hallelujah. How do we solve it? And that's why I go to pacification for the brokenhearted. Pacification for the brokenhearted. The first thing is the starting place is here. Let me tell you, the starting place is here. It's here. There's no need to go back. Some people will say, oh, yeah, you know, go back to your past. No, no, just let's, let's start from here. Amen. Do you get what I'm saying? Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab and return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living. She set out from the place. Tell them what they set out from here. Here. Someone say here. Here and now. Begin the healing. What? Now. Where she had been. They took the road that would lead them back to praise. To Judah. They took the road that would lead. So the way back, sorry, the way backwards to where you used to be is forward. Do you get what I'm saying? You want to go back to that innocent, that excited person that you were? The way is not going backward. It's going what? It's going forward. The starting place is here and now. That's the, the two least popular location in time and place. It's here and now. People are, oh, I want, they want to be in the future. 
Amen. Sometimes people want to be in the past. But here and now is where change takes place. Accept that those things have happened. Stop using your energy to fight what has already happened. Stop using energy to fight now. Let's transform the energy to change. Yeah. I messed up. Yes. Yeah. I was abused. Yes. That word was ringing in my head. Yes. That's where I am right now. I am Mara now. I'm Mara. That's where I am. The next thing, make peace with your past. So this is the part of going forward. Make peace with what? With your past. I know, know the way she made with, with the way uh, Naomi made peace with her past. She said she called her daughters-in-law and says, okay, daughters-in-law, you are part of my story. Ruth and Opa, you are part of my story. Go back to your parents' house. I'm going forward. Going forward. I want to go back. They said she kissed, thank you. She kissed them what? Goodbye. She kissed them what? Let me tell your neighbor, it's time to kiss some things goodbye. It's time to kiss some people goodbye. So long, bye-bye. Goodbye to my pains and my sorrows. So long, bye-bye. In the world, the African version. Bye-bye to Jaku Jaku. living in my past any longer. Opa, back of the neck, walk out. Amen. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm living Moab. I'm living, who's your daddy? I'm living that place. I'm living the place without identity. I'm going back to the house of bread. I'm going back to the house of praise. So past you got to go. I know I went through all that, but today I'm laying it down on the altar. If any man is in Christ, it's a new creation. I know I went through this pain. I accept it, and I feel the pain right now. I allow the hurt, but I am leaving this place of hurt. I'm going to a new place. Make peace with your past. Is that they wept together? Is that they wept together? You see, weeping and crying was created by God. It's one of the mechanisms that God gave us so that we don't suppress emotions that become toxic to our beings. So when somebody cries and weeps, they have not seen. Jesus wept. If our people that weep a lot, right, they let go of stress more easily than people who, mm, 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 because they told you that if you cry, you know, you are not a man. Men, the real men don't cry. No, real men cry. Real men, when they cry, they open the soul. They open the windows of their souls. They are ventilated. And people see them as real people. Oh, man, you need to shed some tears. Let it go. Stop holding that thing. Stop holding that abuse down. Cry over it. There was a time my wife and I, in the early part of our marriage, I cried on her laps. I cried there. And then she cried with me. Then she put her hand on me and said, I am with you. I support you. I believe in you. It doesn't matter what has happened, but I believe in you. Cry. Cry it out. So if you see somebody crying after service, just leave them. Do you get what I'm saying? They are getting free. And that's my next one. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Someone say, let it out. Small groups, talk about it. Amen. Join a small group where you can talk about it. Where you can talk about that issue. Talk about, ah, this is what happened to me in a protected place. She said, when she, look at that. She said, the two of them continued on their journey. And they came to Bethlehem. The entire town was excited by the arrival. Everybody was shouting, hey, Naomi is back. Oh, she, she came with her daughter-in-law. Oh, is this really Naomi? She said, don't call me Naomi. 
Don't call me what? Now me call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi? When the Lord has caused me to suffer. And it was confession in the small group. You know, <laughs> she was talking in the small group. She's like, you know what? That story, I went away so excited, so full of excitement. I mean, I, I had hope, but then my husband died. And then I wonder, and everybody said, oh, 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 come, come, let's pray with you. Oh, come, come. She expressed it. And then people joined. Freedom began. Freedom began. Whatever you suppress, whatever you hide, continues to eat you up. Continues to eat you up. It's time to eat it out. Find a counselor. If you can't talk to anybody that you know, find a counselor. Hire a counselor and open up and say, I know you. If you tell anybody, I'm going to sue you. So, <laughs> you are bound by confidentiality. This is what is happening. I've almost killed my wife. Please. <laughs> Forget, forgive me. I almost killed my husband. I didn't know. Open up. Woo! My time is up. Let me finish. Accept God's healing. I'll do it. Ever say accept God's healing. This is where I'm gonna round up. Accept what? God, I said the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. There's freedom. There's freedom in the Holy Spirit. Amen. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind to the poor, freedom to the captives, release from darkness from the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Amen. Everybody said there's healing. But listen, let me tell you something. Look at the way God is going to heal you. Keep it on the verse. The first thing he says he will do there is that he said he will, what? Uh, what is that? To proclaim goodness, to bind, what? Where is it? Where is it? To bind. Where is it? I can't find it. Yes, to bind. Everybody say to bind. You see, the mistake we all make, we think that God's healing process for you, when you have been broken at it, means that it will, it will just, your soul, you know, so I'm not talking about your spirit that is changed, that your soul. You just bring a brand new soul there. You don't remember that you are abused anymore. You don't know what it does is it binds. Everybody say binds. You know what binds means? The reason why you are broken at it is because you have your heart in scattered pieces. Everybody say scattered pieces. Somebody took a portion away, your first boyfriend. Your first girlfriend took another portion. And then your boss took a portion. The parent that left you took a portion. You know, it's like it's scattered all over the place. And so your heart is broken. What the master does, what the master does is that he brings all the pieces together. And then he binds it. He binds you. You see, when you are bound, you still have this curse. But the pain is no longer there. Are you listening to me? You will never, you will never lose this curse. But you will be all and together and the pain will no longer be there. Because your, scar, your scars are there for a purpose. Your scar, it won't hurt you any longer. But those scars are going to become your badge of honor. They're going to become your ministry. They're going to become what you use to comfort other people. Listen, I've been there, done that. I got a t-shirt. But you know what? It doesn't pay me any longer. It doesn't hold me down any longer. I've been bound. I am whole. I can talk about it and I don't feel ashamed about it anymore. They are not my badge of honor. It shows that I have lived. Hey, I have lived. But you know what? I have survived. I have survived. I'm alive. I'm still standing. He said he will comfort those women. What it means is that it won't hurt you anymore. It won't hurt you. God will work on you that it won't hurt you anymore. You'll be comfortable in it. You're telling this story, but you'll be comfortable in it. It won't hurt you anymore. Beauty for ashes. You won't flaunt it anymore. You see, what, what does beauty for ashes mean? You see, whenever people were mourning there, they would put ashes on themselves. So everybody that sees them would say, oh, this person is mourning. This person has lost something. 
This is how a lot of Christians live. You live with hashes on yourself. Every time you sit down with people, every time you're in church, oh, if only, if only I had a better job. If only my uncle had not done that. If only, you know, I was born, you know, in America. If only, you know, this has happened to me. So there's ashes always, and you are so ashy that you pour ashes on every other person. On other people. So everybody that gets around to get some ashes on themselves. You flaunt it. But it says it will give you beauty instead of ashes. You will not flaunt that anymore. You will start radiating the beauty of the Lord. And he said he will give you the oil of joy for money. He says that, you know what? You won't feel it anymore. Your life is going to turn back to the, to the praise that you used to be. To the pleasantness that you used to be. To the joyful person that you used to be. You will feel something else. You don't feel down any longer. You don't feel held down any longer. You don't feel held by your past any longer. You have been liberated like the birds of the air. You are now flowing with the kingdom of God. You cannot fulfill your purpose. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You won't wear it no more. You have a new garment. You wear praise instead of depression. So God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn you around. But you know the final thing that happens, the final thing that happens when the healing takes place by the anointing of God, which is happening right now to people through the word of God, is God will now give you, my final stand up on your feet, purpose in your brokenness. Or purpose for what? For your brokenness. That's number five. Purpose for what? For your brokenness. You see, the surest way to complete freedom is to take your pain and to now begin to use your healing to minister to those who are now in pain. We're going to focus more on that in the month of March. Look at it. Let's read the scripture together. I want to go. What will happen after he has removed that? Read it. Let's read it together. In Isaiah chapter 6. That's in Isaiah 61. What will happen? Please project it. That's where we He said what? Yep. So he will do that. Then what will happen? They will be what? And restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated. In other words, you become what? A deliverer yourself. Because you've been delivered. You start lifting people from depression. You start leaving people everywhere because you are sharing your story. Because you are t- talking about how God delivered you. That's what, that's what Naomi became, became. She became a mentor for Ruth to find Boaz. You know that was, she lost her husband. She helped somebody found her husband. And in helping that person find her husband, she found her children back. She became the great-grandmother of King David. Hallelujah, the great-grandmother of King David. There was a restoration. She gave back to a kingdom because she refused to settle in her laws. Strangers will shepherd your flock. Foreigners will walk in your fields and your vineyard. Keep going very fast. Hallelujah. Come on, read. Everybody wants to go. And you will be called priest of the Lord. You'll be made ministers of our God. You will feel on the wealth of the nation. And in their riches, we both keep going. Instead of your shame, you will receive what? Purpose in your brokenness. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion of your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, kingdom. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. For I, the Lord, I love justice. In other words, I'm going to pay you back for that thing that was that, that happened to you. It wasn't your fault. And I'm going to turn it around. If you receive, refuse to make it yourself, I'm going to turn it around and make it a story that will glorify my name in your life. I will give you double for what you lost. I hate robbery. I hate people taking things from you, stealing things from you. I hate wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward you, my people, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Next one, next one. They are descendants to be known among the nations and their offspring. You know that thing is not happening to your children. It's not happening to your children's children. You have broken the curse. You have broken the chains. You have changed things. You have turned it around. 
Listen, all who see them, ever say the God show. Say the God show. The God show. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Hallelujah. I rejoice. Then he says, he ended by saying, I delight greatly in the Lord. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul now rejoices in the Lord. For he has clothed me with a garment of salvation. He has arrayed me in the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns himself like a priest. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. I've been beautified by the Lord. For as the soil makes the sprout come up. And the garden causes the seed to grow. So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring forth before all the nation. That is God's promise. We come and rejoice in the Lord right now. Receive your freedom. Lift up your hands right now. I prophesy freedom over everybody in this place. Thanks for listening to The Globe Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.